0: Vizdis. Sorry, that's the Russian version. Here's the American version. Psst, are you here? <laughs> that's one prerequisite question we always want to know the answer to. If you're not here, well, well, it's just not the same. <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you. Welcome to The Paul Leslie Hour, an interview program now in our 18th year. And you can help support independent media and be a patron of the spoken word by simply visiting com slash support. And we thank you very much question for you. What's in a name? Well, it was the name Konigsberg that led filmmaker Masha Vajakova to make the documentary short Woody Before Allen, an adventurous meditation on past and present on two former Konigsbergs. One, Konigsberg is a Russian city, formerly named Konigsberg which was changed to Kaliningrad. The other was a famous film director named Alan Konigsberg, who changed his name to Woody Allen. (laughs) Oh, yes. So the interview in this episode of the Paul Leslie Hour is with documentary filmmaker Masha Vazhyskova, and she is a native of the city of Kaliningrad she made it her mission to commemorate the bizarre connection between those two former Konigsbergs, the city and the director, by helping put up a statue in Kaliningrad in honor of Woody Allen. That's right. And you'll be hearing her tell us more about that story that's told in her documentary film, Woody Before Allen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before we play this interview from the archives, we'd like to report some news about Woody Allen, and some celebration is in order. It was reported in the news that Woody Allen, the great American filmmaker, was retiring. Now, Woody is currently in Paris, France, filming his 50th film, Wasp 22. And we want to let everyone know, hey, people... Woody Allen has clarified he is not retiring. So, Woody Allen fans, rejoice. Go ahead, order that piece of cake. Now let's take you to Paul E. Leslie's interview with a very talented artist and creative thinker, Miss Masha Vaziuskova. Enjoy the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to our special guest, She's a
1: filmmaker. Her name is Masha Vashukova. First of all, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Paul. So nice to finally talk to you.
1: So my first question, who is Masha Vasyukova? How do you define yourself?
2: Well, that's a great question. You know, one one day I was hanging out with a friend of mine in New York, and he, I asked him, what is... The thing that you're afraid the most in your life and he told me gemini and i am a gemini you know astrologically speaking but a very latent one like a very calm one and yet it is quite a good definition for me because i split my life between doing something really like teamwork you know being around a group of people who inspire me and with whom I really enjoy working together, and then locking myself up and being in complete solitude and emerging myself into fantasy world and editing and trying out things by myself. So I guess that might be, I don't know if that's a definition, it's
1: would you say that you're more interested in working by yourself or are you more interested in teamwork collaborating?
2: I really enjoy being on set with other people who do all these inspiring things like art direction and I don't know just with whom we we can create the project together visually and support each other and inspire each other and make it look really great, but also, like when the shoot is finished, I really like. Going back into the editing in the dark room and being like spending time by myself, researching the images that are already done and finding like magical links between them. And I guess that's something I also enjoy in life. I love being with my friends and then I also like moments of solitude. I really love airports because that's something where you are in a social environment, but yet you You have this like solitary moment where you can immerse yourself in your thoughts and aspirations and plan things. It's actually such a great like planning point you know, where you can precise to yourself where you want to go, like not just travel-wise but in life.
1: Mm-hmm. I think most stories are best from the beginning, so can you tell us a little bit about where you were from, Where were you born?
2: I was born in Kaliningrad, which is a city in Western Russia or Eastern Europe. You can define it like in both ways, I guess. It used to be a German city named Königsberg. And my family moved there in the beginning of the 80s. So I was the first member of my family to be born on that land. And it's a very particular place, actually. Because it was completely destroyed in the end of World War II by bombings, by British aviation. And, and then it was taken by the Allies and the Soviet Army. So the city had to be completely rebuilt. But it was rebuilt in a very particular way. It didn't really preserve much of historical places. And didn't have much identity. identity when I was growing up. So I couldn't really understand why we are called Russia. Because it didn't have anything Russian in it. Um, Yeah. So that was that was beginning of '90s, end of end of '80s, beginning of '90s was. um, Yeah, it was like a very transitory time for the country as well, and I guess I felt as someone who was still born in the Soviet Union and like lived through these very first years of Russia. It was a very special experience as a child seeing that.
1: Tell me, how did you get this interest in film?
2: Actually, through English. Because I failed my English class in school, and I was 10 years old, and my mom got me an English tutor, and he was fascinated by film. So his method was to make me watch films in English so that I can learn from, from them. The language so he introduced me to Hitchcock and Monty Python and Mr Bean and these were all the films I was watching I was 10 which is also quite particular choice for to show to a kid and then my teacher he became an art director for cinema in Kaliningrad and at some point rather early I started working with him and I helped him program special events and bring people to lecture local students about film history and we would bring classical soviet actors we would bring producers from europe or like professors from columbia university so it was an amazing amazing insight into film industry from early age and meeting all these people who remained in my life throughout all those years that followed and were my contacts and my some some of them actually became even mentors in the long run and then i did an internship with new york film festival with the production department and that was quite amazing as well because it was uh, it was a great year with all the biggest filmmakers who attended almodovar von carvey clint eastwood and seeing them their films meeting them it was such an inspiration for someone who seeks a career in film. So I guess I was quite lucky to, to meet a lot of great people early on and have this support from the start to to follow my dream and pursue it.
1: What is it that you like about film?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's such a wide question. Since I was a kid, I liked to emerge myself into some fantasy worlds, I remember I would sit in my grandparents' garden picking berries and inventing stories in my mind. You know, I could sit like that for hours, inventing characters, situations, and that amused me a lot. And I guess I was always attracted to stories and storytelling and books as well at an early age. I also love visual things. I I love how you can work with image and how you can change reality like make it more dreamy and how you can tell stories through imagery i guess it's all like a mix of it and also from my experiences because i don't know i'm very fascinated by coincidences and how things happen in life i guess i was always very open to things and when they were coming to me you know i traveled a lot i lived in texas and london in new york and it was not like because i had opportunities you know it just happened, things happened, things were coming, I was accepting them and diving into these experiences and a lot of quite amazing stories happened along the way. So, that was always very nourishing to nourishing? Nurturing? I don't know, what's the word? (laughs) Yeah, it was feeding my imagination and Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, nourishing, I guess, would work.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I started off doing quite experimental films and I have a very good friend who is a choreographer and a dancer. So we did a few dance films together. And then I came to to this point in life when something started happening. And I was like, this is a documentary film. I have to document it, you know, starting from right now. And that was the Woody Before Allen project, which happened very unexpectedly. I didn't think like the whole story would would unveil, but it just just worked. It was quite magical how it started.
1: On that note, tell us about this movie of yours, Woody before Alan. What was the initial inspiration?
2: It all started off as a joke because I was, as I, as I told you before, I was working with my friends with my English teacher for the cinema in Kaliningrad, and it was just two of us, and often we would spend time in the office and just throw out ideas and think what we can do which would be fun for the city and one day we were talking about Woody Allen and about the fact that his last name is the same as the original name of our city which is Königsberg and what was funny is that neither one or the other still uses that name we thought oh it would be fun to put up a statue to Woody Allen to commemorate the inexisting connection between the two. And that was our joke. My friend Art he would tell me you have to call Woody's agent and I was very shy. I was like okay, so we found his telephone on IMDb Pro but it never worked because of the time difference I guess and I was very happy, you know, I was like really I don't have to confront to this conversation over telephone. <laughs> And then time passed, and I did my internship with New York Film Festival, and my boss there was Adam Leon, who is Leslie Dart's stepson. and she's Woody Allen's publicist. I told him the story and he said that Woody Allen would really like that. He would be flattered. And then I got back to him with the actual project, and he said that, probably you have very little chances he would actually get back to you. But it was kind of too late because we already announced the contest for the design of the sculpture. And I told Adam, we have to try. We have to give it a try and just see what happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't. And I kind of let go of the idea. So I sent the email and I got back home in the evening and I had a response from Woody Allen's assistant. And that was one of the most amazing letters to get in your inbox I should say you kind of lose your you lose the floor under your feet at that point
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you were very excited when you saw that they had replied
2: yeah and not did they only reply they also proposed to meet up they in a week's time and they gave me different possibilities different days and times and options and I was like okay here comes the journey And I was like saying yes to it. I was saying yes. And I had to change my life quite a lot for that. Had to leave Moscow. I was living in Moscow at the time. So I devoted myself fully to this project. Mm -hmm. And it was a road trip, a constant road trip for the next 10 months or so. Because it was filming... And at the same time, producing the sculpture, it was taking me to different countries, cities, and it was a beautiful journey. It was very special times.
1: I had no idea. And I mean, it's a short film, but it's very interesting to learn about the amount of time. Tell me about what was going through your head when you get to actually present this idea to Woody Allen and meet him face to face. What was he like to meet?
2: Well, I was very nervous. First of all, I had to present him something that is of interest, and it was challenging because when we announced the contest in the local newspaper, we got a lot of response, but it was all, word, you know, it was all in words. It was not like sketches or anything. And I had to get together with a friend of mine, a, a designer, and we prepared this whole book of different collages and drawings and and then I asked some artist friends to also to give us ideas and so it took me like a few days to put all this together yeah I was really nervous how would he react would he like anything you know at all what if he doesn't like anything And it was already, it was a go from the Ministry of Culture. Everyone was so excited about this whole story. So I had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. And so I arrived to the hotel where we were meeting. And he was there with his kids and his wife. And they were all very thrilled about the project. And showed a lot of interest and curiosity in the city. His family as well. Even though there is no direct connection, you know, at times he would seem to me like a Woody Allen character from the films. But also what touched me was that at some time, at some moments, I would see that he would drift back into like reflecting about his own roots and his family. And um, seeing these feelings run through his mind and show on his face was something that you don't like expect to see and it was quite rewarding you know for me to be able to provoke that and um, also do something that i guess inspires him as well you know because for him it was like a story i tried to make it into a story for mm-hmm. him as well so it's like an adventure
1: so you're just here for a while or in new york for a while.
2: Yeah, I come here very often actually. I try to come here every six weeks and I stay for a couple of weeks. I really love New York. Mm-hmm. It has this amazing energy and also what I love about it, you know, when you arrive you have this jet lag and you are so productive in the early morning hours. So it's six thirty AM and you're already doing something. So I arrived Wednesday night, and I had to do a small edit. And I remember, uh, so I got all the material, and I woke up at six thirty on Friday, and I just went and did the whole thing over one day, nonstop. And that's something that doesn't happen in Paris, for instance. I don't know; the energy is really different here.
1: And you live in Paris. Yes. How long have you been living there?
2: Been there for three and a half years. I've moved there when I was finishing. The editing of the Woody film, and I was actively doing research for my cocktail project. And people who whom I was interviewing for it, and who were like amazing source of information, because they knew cocktail, and some of them worked with him. They are quite aged now, so that was my. Reason to, to come and move to Paris because I wanted to have as much time as possible with them. And I became friends with Claude pinotto who used to be Cocteau's first assistant. And I would spend a lot of time in his house and he would share personal documents and tell all those stories that always happen around Cocteau, you know, magical and all the coincidences, which were not. But so Claude Pinot unfortunately passed away a year and a half ago. But we did the interviews and we actually did a trip to Russia as well together to present Cocteau's films in Kaliningrad. That was very special. It was 120th anniversary of birth of Cocteau. So we did this as a celebration and great memory, you know, to do something like that. To bring this person to a place which is very dear to you and... Him being so close to Cocteau, I really am very much inspired by Cocteau's universe in my work and life.
1: Do you like living in Paris?
2: I do, yeah. I love Paris. It's so, you know, it's like in the heart of Europe. It's easy to go everywhere. And also France is such a rich culture and country. You can change scenery and in such a little time. It's very diverse even though it's not that big. And maybe it's just like, everything is very um, reachable. You can take a train and be in Munich in five hours. You can take a flight and be in New York in six hours. Whereas when you're in Moscow, it's quite further out. And it's not that convenient to travel from Kaliningrad because there are no connections uh, via air. So it takes a lot of time.
1: Where do you most want to live?
2: Uh, I like being between Paris and New York.
1: You have a good situation.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I I enjoy this situation quite a lot. I guess, you know, that's going back to your first question, because they're very different for me and I I operate very differently in both of them, but I kind of need both. And that's, that's why I try to organize my work that way that I can spend time between the two.
1: What is the thing that you want to accomplish the most in this life?
2: I feel like I'm a happy person because I get to do what I really love to do. And sometimes, and it happens quite often, I find myself in a moment, a random moment of day, thinking, wow, I get to do all this, and I don't have to like do anything else on the side. And it's quite amazing. It's very rare. I think from an early age, I was determined to do what i love to do what i enjoy to do and it was someone it was my teacher who told me you will never regret if you're gonna keep on doing what you really love At one day one day you will become good at it and i guess to fulfill to materialize your inspirations and create art and visual art and film is something that makes me very happy and I will be glad to continue doing this. There is not like a specific goal. I don't think I'm a person who is driven just by achieving something. I think for me, what is important is the journey that I enjoy doing what I love every day, not just getting something out of it. As long as I I can continue doing this and get better and... I'm excited about new projects and trying out new things and learning.
1: Are there any projects on the horizon that you can tell us about?
2: I've been doing a lot of research on a project about a lost film of Jean Cocteau that has never seen day. I discovered its existence when I was doing my internship in New York, and it fascinated me. I remember the moment when I looked at all Cocteau's films and I was looking at his filmography and I saw this title I tried to find it everywhere but it was not there and at one moment I found a little article where it was said that this film exists in one single copy and has never seen day and it just blew my mind I remember this moment it was very physical it was like a physical explosion and I told myself that I have to find it so I ventured on this journey to look for this film and that's how I first came to Paris in 2008 and I started meeting people around Cocteau and no one knew anything about this film or they knew that it existed but they couldn't give me insight on how to find it you know because they have never seen it themselves before so this is something I'm working on at the moment and it's I guess with this project, with with this particular project, or even the voodoo project, it's amazing how like your life unfolds around it, you know, and how you make very important choices in your life, like moving to France, or starting or just spending a whole year moving between places and not being anchored anywhere. I can see how my film projects affect my life and how they take me to all those amazing places and situations. And I really enjoy that. I really enjoy the moment of traveling, of the journey of discovery and meetings, encounters that this brings.
1: On that note, what is the best thing about being Masha?
2: (laughs) Not applying much logic, being open and... Being able to accept certain things in your life and be ready to venture on a journey and see where it brings you and fulfill your your dream to to make films and art.
1: My last question is very open-ended. Very open-ended. For anybody who listens to this, what would you like to say to them?
2: I'd like to say that I think... We often can get drawn into thinking that we should act this or that certain way. And there are a lot of rules in this society that are quite strict. But I think we should always listen to ourselves and be kind enough to ourselves to go and be in the place where we want to be, and do what we love doing, because it's our choice to be happy and realize our dreams in our life. I think that's important because you know, we can postpone things and hope that something happens, but you actually have to act upon your dreams and make steps to make them happen in your life. And it's very possible. It's not magic. It's just if you want to do something, do it. You don't want to regret afterwards that you haven't tried. You know what? It actually may bring a lot of amazing things in your life.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very, very much for all of this. It's been a pleasure.
2: Likewise. Very happy to talk to you. Absolutely.
1: Okay.
0: Well, have fun in New York.
2: Thank you, Paul.
0: Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepauleslie.com. That's ThePaulLeslie.com Click on Support the Show, And thanks to everyone who contributes Performance of the intro music Is courtesy of John Primorano The Entertainer Written by Scott Joplin End credit theme music Is courtesy of John Primorano The traditional song Corina Corina Your announcer is Dan Gold Hey, that's me! The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.